So I've been looking at a lot of coronavirus church-related memes recently. Or rather, I should oh say gosh. I've been trying, but there are a there's a sad lack of coronavirus church memes. <laughs> so this is just my proclamation that if anyone finds them, please send them to me. There was recently an SNL skit about virtual church. I don't know if you saw it. Was there, there really? Was. Did I? No, I haven't um, seen well, it. Well, you should watch it. But basically, it's great. So basically, it's um, it's like a Zoom, like church over Zoom call, which a lot of churches are doing, like we talked about in last week's episode. Yeah. Um, and basically, like, I mean, it's, it's hilarious, but like kind of like the truth part of it is that you have this preacher and it's like a Pentecostal church where like there's a lot of interaction usually at that kind of church. There's like, while the pastor speaks, there's a lot of like, amen. And, you know, saying things during the service, calling back to the pastor, but that's much harder to do on zoom because if everyone's talking at the same time, everyone has a microphone, right? So it's like if at church, everyone had a microphone anyway, but the whole like truth part of the premise was that by the end of it, he gets really sad that like he has to make everyone go on mute <laughs> because then he doesn't have the people calling back to him. Um, so, oh. you know, as see you guys, you guys criticize Catholic Church for not being as involved, but this is where we shine because we just need like a broadcast <laughs> mass. We don't have any issues with like participating <laughs> in the Zoom call. He likes to hear it though, which you know, I mean, it's funny, but yeah, it's also you know quite like the sadness of the reality. So you know as. Yeah. As that shows and as, you know, we've spoken a little bit about before and as honestly people have just probably noticed, uh, the coronavirus and the lockdown has caused church to look quite different now. You know, you don't even have to leave your room. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you can wear your pajamas. 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 Um, Church in pajamas. I say we keep that, please. You know, (laughs) I like dressing up for church. Um, I do too. Maybe, maybe like... Twice okay. a year. Pajama day at church. Um, but anyway, so, like, with this, with virtual church, online church, and even, like, the different alternatives that people are exploring now that we're starting to look at opening up, um, it brings just a lot of different questions about what can be and can't be online, um, as well as, like, how we can make the- theology-wise. Theology wise. So, like, th- yeah, so doctr- doctrinally, I don't think that's a word, Um like, what, what can you do online? What can't you do online? What changes when you're doing it online? And how, and kind of the application question of this is, like, how can we make this weird alternative church as close to what we need as people as possible? Um, so, yeah, so that's what we're going to talk about today. I have, I'm, like, uh, basically this episode is just going to be me, like, with a bunch of ideas and Katie being, like, no. <laughs> <laughs> great well if you already know my answer <laughs> well I don't know maybe you'll say yes some so I have things about prayer things communion is going to be the big topic of conversation um we're going to talk about baptism yeah. um and then we've we've like we've mentioned some of these things like to each other and then we've been like no yeah. save it well, for the episode so I know some of them and 
I, I still don't well, have Well, specifically answers. because I just, like, I've been screenshotting every tweet I can find about people's opinions of oh virtual gosh. communion. And I, like, part of this episode is literally just going to be me reading them off <laughs> and seeing what you think about it. Or, like, I also have a list of ideas about how I think the Catholic Church should now do communion. So we're going to... Oh, oh, do you know? I'm not a non-Catholic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, because, okay, well, okay, we'll get to that later. Cool. But the first thing, I don't have that much to say about prayer. We'll start with prayer because I think it's fairly easy. Um, because obviously yeah. you can pray online. <laughs> you know, when, you know, if we prayed right now, it would be the same as praying the two of us in person. Yeah. Um, I think the only funny thing with prayer comes in with um, churches like mine who do uh, who record services in advance. Uh, yep. <laughs> and the way I thought about it, which I think you will actually find very cool, is um, okay. it kind of turns a normal prayer into a prescribed prayer. So, like, if if the pastor prays, hmm. right, let's say he prayed at, like, Saturday at, like, 5 p.m. Hmm. and filmed it and uploaded it, and then people are watching it throughout the day on different parts of the day on Sunday, and they're praying, like, with him. Like, he's saying the same prayer, but he's not the one praying at that moment, right? Because, I mean, unless he's also watching it, like, you know, he prayed in that moment the day before, yeah. but okay. he's not physically talking to God right then. But it's kind of like other yeah. people using what has already been said to help them connect to God, just like prescribed prayers do. Great. Yeah. yeah. I didn't think you would disagree with that. <laughs> Look, one. see the first the first question, it's not a no. Yeah. Well, I you know, that was No that wasn't really like a thing I thought you would disagree with. I, that was just a cool thing I thought of. Yeah, I mean, there is an interesting theological question there. Like, does if you're listening to a prescribed prayer, like a pre-recorded prayer and you're praying with it, does that count as prayer times two? Is that like more than one people person praying? Yeah, I think that's probably the best way to put it, because I don't think that it's prayer twice. Like, the person prayed it before when they recorded yeah. it, but they're not praying it there, so I don't think that it, like, counts. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not but, like you can record a prayer and put it on loop, and it means you're praying more. <laughs> what if, That though? would be called uh, a return to the Catholic ways of the Middle Ages, and would be a yikes. Look, okay. <laughs> Look, I'm just saying. I feel when you look for theological cheat like cheat hacks, cheat hacks, um, they usually are wrong, are bad. But I'm just saying, what if we did? <laughs> All right, so I'm going to ignore that question and bring us into. The part of this that I've been the most excited for, which is talking about. Okay, but let, let us know. Let us know what you guys think about about yeah. prayer, pre-recorded prayer. Okay, communion. Um. Oh, I just right. deleted my. And notes we're talking. Where to go? Okay, found it. <laughs> Real quick, we're specifically. Are we specifically talking Catholic okay. communion? Okay. So or? like everything, but the things that I have okay. to say more fo- focus. Basically, the way I was thinking about this is that. I've, um, as far as I know, most church traditions do communion in some way or another. I don't know any who don't. Um, yeah. Some do it less often, but my main point is that uh, it's more important in, in a Catholic Mass. Like, it's not a Mass without the communion. 
is my understanding of it. Yep. And, like, the whole mass typically prepares you for the communion. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and we talked a little bit about this last episode. We talked about how Catholic churches versus Protestant churches are adapting to the need for communion and how the needs are reflected differently. Yeah, so in my mind, even though it's a qu- virtual communion is a question for everyone, there's more weight when... Catholics are discussing it. For sure. Because for, for Protestants, sure. like, it's not ideal that we can't do it, but it's okay. Like, we can we can wait until we can do it again. Yeah. It's not as big of a stress in terms of our doctrine. But, so having yeah. said that, we will discuss, like, different denominational views on anyway. Um, because theology Twitter, guys. If you're not on theology Twitter, what are you doing Ooh. with your life? Well, okay, so you can maybe... Bring us through briefly the Catholic point of view of, like, why you can't do communion online. My understanding is that it has to do with consecration of, at the altar. And, like, yeah. go for it. So I touched a bit on it last episode. But the biggest issue, and Catholic Twitter, if you guys are listening to this, feel free to, like, come out and correct me or, or anything. But the biggest issue is that it would be a huge logistic undertaking mm to do, like, communion online. Because you can't just have everybody order online the bread because it has to be consecrated at the altar, like you said. It has to be consecrated at the altar by a priest in a very specific way. Now, people do, like, quote, remote communion, unquote, like where um, Eucharistic ministers, they get the blessed sacrament at the church during a mass, they put it in their special containers, and then they go out to people who are in nursing homes or being cared for at home or who can't physically right. make it to mass, they administer the communion. Um, so that does happen. But the thing is to be able to do that for an entire church right. body, an entire Catholic church body, the logistics would have to be insane. And the safety of like not spreading coronavirus right. between like getting it from the priest to the, to the people, to the Eucharistic ministers, then to the people who are receiving it be huge, Huge. And he can't, the priest can't bless it. I'm going to come right out and say it. Theologically, the priest cannot bless the bread through the computer. That doesn't work like that. It has to be physically in front of him at the altar. All right. So I think those are the big issues. So here's what I'm going to do. First, we're going to focus on just like the theology surrounding it. And so I'm going to read all these tweets Mm -hmm. and just kind of like see what you have to say about it. Um, Katie the Catholic reacts. Yeah, and then, well, they're, yeah, they're, they're just kind of like, because when I first heard this conversation going on, I didn't yet have a firm opinion, and I think I do a little bit more now, but it was just really interesting to see what people were saying about it, because even the people mm-hmm. who were on the side of pro-virtual communion, I kind of agreed with their arguments. So, uh, Chris Arnold says... God is everywhere, but priests aren't everywhere, and nor are bread and wine. Because the incarnation matters, matter and bodies and material proximity matter. The body and blood of Christ cannot be consecrated remotely or virtually, at least in the Anglican tradition. Yeah, I mean, high Anglican is low-key Catholic. I feel like I'll get killed for saying that. No, I mean, it is. It is. (laughs) But, yeah, so, uh, agree. Agree for Anglicans, agree for Catholics. All right, uh, here's Bill Campbell, and he said, I get it. 
You can't consecrate Eucharist through a computer because God only works when we are in a very special place with a person who has extra magic fingers. I'm glad this finally got figured out. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I'm curious to know his religious background because I get what he's saying for like low Anglican or other like Protestant churches. And I get his point there, but for... For Catholic masses, not that it's somebody with magic powers, but it it does matter. Like there is a power that is given through God mm-hmm. that that does matter there. So I get the satirical like <laughs> bit that he's doing there, and it works for Protestant churches. But he's closer to the truth if you take it seriously with Catholic churches. Right, like it yeah. does matter. The way I was thinking about this is. Uh, and I feel like this is a, a similar thing that I've said to you with a very different application before, um, which is that just because God can do something doesn't mean he is doing something, right? So, like, he's, I think, like, the thing with a virtual communion is that it's possible. Like, God can definitely consecrate things through screens if he chose to do it that way. Yeah. Like, he, it's not impossible. It's just that at least for Catholics, he has ordained it in a very particular way to be done in a very particular way to remain holy and like all that stuff. So it's not that, you know, it's not that there's something in it that would make it impossible for God to do that if he wanted to. It's just like he has, he hasn't done it like that. Exactly. There's, that's a great way to explain it because there's a reason we do it the way we do it. There's a reason that we make it such a big part of the mass and why mass is required. I mean, you're really supposed to go every Sunday, but why you go to mass to receive it. So there's a way it's all been set up. That's the way we've been doing it because it's the way it's been set up. And that's why it doesn't work. All right. This way here is, uh, his name on Twitter is Stort. Um, I don't, I think it's Stuart now. Okay. I think he might have changed it. I, These are just screenshots from, like, weeks ago. Um, and he said, mm. Opposition to virtual communion, not because of consecration of the elements themselves, but the lack of physical community and acknowledgement of its inac- inadequacy, send tweet. Um, read, sorry, read that again? Yeah. Opposition to virtual communion, not because of consecration or the elements themselves, but the lack of physical community and acknowledgement of in, of its inadequacy, send tweet. Hmm. Okay. Again, would be curious to know his religious background of which side he's actually critiquing. I disagree because I think that physical community is helpful and lovely and wonderful. And of course we all want it. But it does not have to be to create a good and loving community, Um, especially everybody being together in one place, because you can still have a good community that connects with each other, um, even if they're not all in one place. In addition, my first one of my first thoughts with that also is the disabled people who already can't get to church physically. Are they not part of the church community because they already can't get there? I don't think that's what it's saying. Okay, so I'll. I'll bring this into point of view. This is the Presbyterian view. So let me describe it a little bit more because I think the way that he... I don't know if he's Presbyterian, but this is like how I... It's been explained to me of the Presbyterian... Yeah. The Presbyterian... Presbyterian? It's not a tree. 
um, what they've said is, I, I mean, I think they, they also acknowledge things about the element. So it's not that it's not that this is more like an additional reason, I, th- I think. Um, mm-hmm. but the way that they see it is that, and I think this is true of Protestant communion in general, is that the physical community is really important in that. Um, yeah. so like the being able to take communion all together. Like, I feel like it's whenever it's in the Bible, it's talking about like people, uh, you know, together in communion. I mean, it's literally called communion for us. Right. So it's communion with God, but it's also communion with other people. And there's also a big emphasis on, um, neighbors. Like, you know how, and it talks about like, uh, if you have a disagreement with your brother before communion, don't take it. Unless until you yeah. resolve that, so I think that that just kind of goes to show that there is a very important physical community aspect to it. I don't know how that exactly plays into like with people who physically cannot, um, like participate in like a physical service. I'm not sure it completely does because, like, I mean, there's probably exceptions to this, but a lot of times if you make something accessible, people can physically you know, be involved in it. And also the thing is with Protestant communion is that it's, you know, we don't do like, um, if you're sick and you're not taking communion, it's okay. Like it's not a, there's no equivalent to like when priests give personal communion. Um, but yeah, so that's my thought on that. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think when he says acknowledgement of its inadequacy, that I think kind of gets lost in his tweet, but wh- I think what he's saying there is that we need to acknowledge that virtual church isn't the same as real life church. Like it will never be the same thing. It's just the best thing we have right now, right? So mm-hmm. I think like, and we may have touched on this before, but like the problem with it logistically, like in my mind is almost like, if you could offer virtual communion, no one would go to church. Like, you, not no one. I still think a lot of people would want to. But yeah, disagree. Not no one. But, like, there's a lot of people who maybe are not as committed to church who, like, are kind of in the middle. At, or a lot of people who do kind of, like, the me, myself, and God kind of view of, like, just listening mm-hmm. to sermons online and stuff. And I think... The fact that you can only have communion, like communion, if you go to church, is kind of an important part of people going to church. Like, imagine if after this whole thing was finished, people still kept doing virtual communion. I feel like you would definitely see like a dr- drastic lowering of people going. I ag- I agree and disagree. I agree because yeah, <laughs> I agree because. Yeah, it makes sense. Like, that would be a a consequence of that. On the other hand, I know that in the time that we are in, the people that are going to church every week and are active members of their church community are active members of their church community and mm-hmm. would not choose to just be online if they had the choice to go. Yeah. So I agree that we would see a decrease, but I don't think it would be as drastic as you assume just because the the, the, the world that we're in right now, people aren't going to church every week. Yeah. People aren't showing that dedication. So the people that are would still. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see. Do I have any other? Oh, here's. Wait, on that tweet. I also, I keep having to reframe because I know that Protestant communion and Catholic communion is different, but I always kind of 
forget the the role that it plays in mass and community because for us it's a very personal thing that's the center of mass for you guys it's I don't want to say community building because that makes it sound less but like it is it's a great it's important it's very important for that and so I get I understand more why he would be concerned with the physical aspect of it being physically in community now I still think that you can build a community online and not physically in person but I understand his point more than I originally did okay coolio all right this one I don't even want to read the tweet I just want to cite it because um I came up with this idea before I saw the tweet and I want credit for that (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay which is actually I'm pretty sure a conversation we've had before not on this podcast but just like in general which is the shipwreck scenario oh yeah right okay this one like when I thought of this I was like what is going on theologically because I'm pretty sure I've asked you before like what would happen Mm -hmm. if there are no priests and you get like you know a bunch of Catholics get deserted on an island which sounds kind of like a threat it is not um (laughs) wow so the question is like if a bunch of religious (laughs) war exactly if a bunch of Catholics are deserted on a an island with no priest could one of them like become become a priest like they're not officially ordained but like for the sake of that could they become a priest and could they give communion and then that has very clear application to this because it becomes the question of if we can someone if if there's like a house full of catholics that's kind of the same scenario this is why I I was like, I don't know what Katie's going to say about this. I don't even know what I think about this. Okay. Just to summarize, shipwreck scenario, and I have checked with at least one Catholic priest about this. My Frunkle Bob. Frunkle Bob, you get a shout out. Um, shipwreck scenario, bunch of Catholics get shipwrecked. They can, as a group, elect somebody to be the priest. Now, that is not the ideal scenario. <laughs> shipwreck usually isn't. <laughs> Yeah, I would I would assume. Um, and it's not I'm not sure about all of the logistics of the theology of that, like does it only work at seventy five I don't seventy five percent, I don't know. Seventy five percent but of what? Like of like a normal priest. Like basically it's not oh, oh. you're still not getting like I don't understand Catholics because you guys like to like quantify things in ways that I my, yeah. my Protestant brain does not understand. Like it's the communion is seventy five percent effective. You can't. Does that mean you have to do it one point five times more? Like I don't know how <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Alright, sorry, continue. But I'm saying like it you can't quantify it, but like I would assume that it doesn't work quote as well. But in that scenario, God's not going to care because you're shipwrecked and you're caring enough to still try and do communion, which is lovely. My question is, are you shipwrecked in the Caribbean? Does your <laughs> communion become like pineapple? <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess where are you finding bread and wine? Maybe you're shipwrecked. Yeah. It's like um um oh what's Swiss Family Robinson, you know they're like shipwrecked but with a bunch of stuff. So maybe <laughs> you're shipwrecked, you already have bread and wine in this scenario. Um, but I feel like at that the point, gonna go moldy. I feel like at that point, God wouldn't super care, like, no. whether it's bread and wine, it could be like yeah. fruit juice and I don't know. Exactly. Just like at that point, like he understands that you guys don't have an already ordained but, place. So in this scenario, yeah. yeah. No, but I'm so just scenario, trying to go to the quarantine version of the shipwrecking. <laughs> Isn't that all of 2020? We've just been <laughs> a shipwreck. Yes. 
I never thought. So here's the thing, because I think I've asked you this exact question before about the shipwreck, mm-hmm. and I never yep. thought it would be applicable <laughs> ever. Oh man, in in a non shipwreck situation yes. as well. So I think the the thing is. In this new situation of quarantine, we are not fully isolated. Mm -hmm. As much as we are isolated and it sucks, we're still not fully isolated. In addition, there's the hope and promise of it being amended, of of quarantine Mm -hmm. going away. Now, if you're shipwrecked, I guess there's the hope and promise that you'll be rescued. But here, there's like a specific date that governments are working on. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, if I knew that a cruise ship was going to be coming by, if we were shipwrecked at the beginning of March and it was going to be coming by March 15th, I would maybe wait until after that rescue attempt failed (laughs) to, like, elect a priest. So, here we have these dates that the government has promised us or or attempted, and I would wait until those fail a couple of times, which hopefully it won't happen, not trying to jinx it, (laughs) but I would wait until those fail a couple of times before we even started to talk about yeah. electing somebody. Yeah. In addition, yeah, it's it's a little bit more complicated with families, I think, because we're quote-unquote, like, shipwrecked, but only with our family yeah. members. And we can still reach, we can still talk to priests. Um, and, yeah, and ultimately they're the ones that should be making the decision if it, yeah. gets, if it would potentially get to this point because we can still be talking to them and they can still be talking to us through, thank God, the technology that we have. So they would be the ones to ultimately make this decision if it came to it in quarantine. Okay, so the way that I think about this, which I feel like doesn't disagree with what you're saying, is that mm-hmm. it's theoretically valid, but more complicated than that especially because on yeah. a sh- in a shipwrecked island you don't have communication with the vatican <laughs> so you can't be like hey mm-hmm. is this okay <laughs> whereas in this scenario like the leaders are making like they have the capacity to make decisions so mm-hmm. even though it's theoretically valid in like a theological sense you would need the priests okay for that to happen yeah. that's the way i think about it and i know i'm not catholic and i feel like but these things I'm saying about, like, the hierarchy structure and stuff do actually apply to Protestant churches yeah. as well. Like, I also think it's, like, theoretically viable for a Protestant communion, but not unless the pastor or, like, the presbytery said it was okay. Yeah. Because that would mean that yeah, they like think that. it's, like, a dire enough situation. Hey, guys, it's Alexandra here. Um, This ended up being a really long recording, so we actually split up the episode into two parts. Uh, They are both being released at the same time, though, so you should be able to easily just click to the next one um, for the rest of this conversation. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Religious War. If you want to join the discussion, follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Religious War Podcast. You can also visit the blog on our website, religiouswarpodcast.com, for the links and resources used in today's episode.